morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. You stick a 225 in front of that, you reach from anywhere in the continental United States. That is correct, and right now is the perfect time to call. In the beginning of the show, we never have calls online, or very seldom, let's uh-huh. that way, have calls holding. So if you want to get a question answered and get a good, detailed answer, now is the perfect time because we've got time to spend with you. That's right. If you wait till 8 minutes to <laughs> 11 or after 11 o'clock, you're not going to get a very good answer. Well, that's right. At very best, we're going to have to kind of rush it to get it out of here because we got to get out of here right at 11 o'clock. Baby. But there is an alternative. You got it. You can go to the website and get your questions answered that way any time of the day or night. That's right. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Easy way to remember that is to take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company. That's right. And get you to our site. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night. And get a question back within 24 hours. And if you send it during the day, most likely you'll get it back a lot quicker. Because during the day, if I'm at work, every time I get a break, I generally will check my email and respond. So normally within an hour or two, you'll get an answer back. If I happen to be at home in the afternoons, I generally am sitting at the computer. So you'll get one even faster than that. Now, if you send it after about 8, 30, 9 o'clock, I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so you get it at 5 o'clock next morning when I get up. There you go. But you'll get an answer back within 24 hours regardless. And if you don't receive an answer back, just go ahead and resend it. Because occasionally, cyberspace being what it is, things can get lost. Correct. I received an email the other day that was about two months old. I don't know really? where it's been for two months floating around. It sure <laughs> it finally, had. It finally made it. Huh? Yeah, it finally got on in there. And fortunately, the guy had sent follow-up to it, so I had got an answer back to it. But it's just kind of funny that comes in, it's t- you know, date stamped and everything. I'm right. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> this thing's been circling the globe 200 billion times. <laughs> right. Finally found where it was finally going. Finally found out where it was going. But yeah, all kind of things can happen. You can also check and make sure that you do put the proper return address on because sometimes when I do go to reply, it'll just kind of pop back to me, address unknown or something like that. And right. that happens. One character out of place will, right. it's real hard to duplicate. Right. And I just don't have any way to figure that out. So if you can go just send it back to me. I never ignore an email. So if you hadn't gotten asked from me, it's not that I'm being rude or that I'm ignoring you. It's just that I didn't receive it or I can't reply to you. So always just go ahead and send it again. We don't mind that at all. And I will definitely get an answer back to you. While you're on there, pop around, see what you think. I guess the most information in the smallest amount of place would be to go to the detailed topics. And if you look on the left-hand side, just below the menu, there is a list of the newest ones in there. As they are added to the list, they go right there. Right there to the top. And there's about 10 or 15 of them on the front page, but there are actually about 300 or more of them in there. So you can scroll down and keep, or you can go to the category view, which will break them down for you by categories. For instance, if you only want to see the topics on transmissions, well, then you can type that in, and it will bring up only those. Or you can just the ones on alignment or tires or whatever topic you might be interested in. It'll segregate them out for you. You know, search through every one. Oh, that's of them. great. Now, put one on there this morning on diagnosing a misfire. Basically, the PO300 series of codes. Right. There's a number of PO300 codes. And a lot of people spend an awful lot of money trying to track those down, and they get distracted because oftentimes a misfire will manifest as other codes. Sure. For instance, a misfire can set an oxygen sensor code very, very easily Mm -hmm. because when the plug does not fire for some reason, 
it will go rich and it will make the oxygen sensor think the engine's too rich, so it's going to set a oxygen sensor out of range. Out of code. range, correct. If an injector doesn't fire, it's going to go lean, which could set an oxygen sensor too lean, or it could set an airflow meter code. It could set all sorts of codes. So what this series of articles does is gives you a logical way to kind of identify what's going on here rather than just jumping in and throwing money throwing at the parts. problem, throwing right. parts and making it way, way worse. It also gives you a very low-cost non-equipment intensive way of testing things oh that's great so pop on there and see what you think this week is on general po 300 series codes next week will be on specific cylinder misfires okay so, sort of a two-part thing because it's just too much information to put in one but pop on there and read it and i think it'll really help you if you happen to get into that situation save you a whole bunch of money we see it every day oh we do boy people come in and they've already spent a thousand dollars and still have the same problem right Bring it to parts. us, and with a very logical approach that they probably could have done themselves, you can go to the problem within less than an hour's time and no money invested. There you go. So it just depends on the way you want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to our phone lines. Let's see. We've got David online. Good morning, David. Hey, how are you doing? Doing Good great, morning. sir. I have a 2006 GMC with a 5.3 liter engine. All right, sir. And I had trouble with it coming back from New Orleans about a week ago, and it, it would just die. And and I'd crank it and crank it and crank it, and finally it would come back on. Okay. And I pulled a code on it, and it says the crankshaft sensor okay. is bad. I, and I was just wondering, is that a direct replacement? Or yeah, David, that code does not say the crankshaft sensor is bad. It doesn't? No, no sir. sir. The code says that it's not receiving a proper crankshaft signal. Okay. Okay, now that can, can be, one thing is a crankshaft sensor. Yeah. But it can also be a loose connection. Yeah. It could be, can a be bad... some dirt on the flywheel. Right. It could be yeah. a number of things. So just replacing the crankshaft sensor may or may not fix it. Now, if you just want to throw something at it and do it, yeah. do yourself a big favor and go to Chevrolet and buy that crankshaft sensor. Don't go to a parts store because We've... the ones we get out of the parts store sometimes don't even work out the box. Right. We've seen a lot of trouble with those. Yes. But to answer your first question, it is pretty much a direct replacement. It's back in the back, I think, on top of the bell housing somewhere. And sort of a long sensor goes down. I think it reads off the back of the crankshaft, if I'm not mistaken. I hadn't changed one myself. I know they change them in the shop all the time. But yeah. I would be very, very leery about just changing the sensor because that is not what the code is saying. In fact, it can actually be like a bad cam sensor can set a bad crank sensor code just because the cam and the crank don't sync with each other. Yeah. And it's just saying, hey, I can't find a sync here, so it sets that code. That's just the logic that the way it was written. Right. And that sensor's not inexpensive i want to say it's probably a hundred dollars and probably takes you an hour or so to change it and you may very well do that and still have the same exact problem yeah well let me ask you this then you said it's a direct replacement though i don't have to it, that doesn't have to be programmed no sir it no, does sir. not it does not but see what can happen too david if let's just say your fuel pump is going out and yeah. the vehicle starts running out of fuel and it dies yeah the computer does not know about it it does not can't sense that so yeah. what it does is it sets a crankshaft sensor code because the crankshaft is supposed to be turning and it's not. Okay. So there are dozens of things that will set that code that okay. have nothing to do with that sensor. You've got to understand the logic of right. how the program was written right. to yeah. understand how to fix the vehicle. Right. All it's saying is, hey, I'm not seeing a crank signal here, and the key is on. I'm supposed to, so it's going to flag that code. Right. But again, if, it, I, if it's running out of gas, it's going to set that code. Would it operate sometimes and then sometimes it wouldn't? If yes. you're driving along, would it just die? Well, sure, sometimes. anything can. A fuel yeah. pump can get hot, cut fuel off. And uh, a fuel it, pump relay can go out. I right. mean, any number of things can cause that to happen. You know, once that stuff gets hot and then it cools off, it starts working again. Yeah, most things electrical so, are going to be temperature right. sensitive. So, in other words, the OBD is not 100% sure then? Well, it's not sure at all. It's not telling you how to fix a car. It's giving data 
to a trained technician who can take that along with several other tests and interpret and what and it interpret means. It. It's sort of like if you had the sniffles and a stuffed up nose, and you say, "Well, I got to go replace my nose." <laughs> well, no, you got to treat the cold. You know, yeah, you, right, right. But that's right, that's well, what's doing. Just, I was just curious. I had read a lot of things about it. And, yeah, well, and, those know, sensors do go out from time to time. We don't change a lot of them, but we do change some. And that could be what's wrong with yours. Could be, but, but unless until you get a qualified technician to look at it and understand what's going on with it, mm-hmm. you're going to throw parts at it. Yeah, forever. It would cost less to pay somebody to tell you for sure what's wrong than it would. Well, besides y'all being the qualified technicians, is there anyone else? Tons of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, just go to my front page of my website, look on how to find a great shop, read that article, and see what you see. Okay, well, All I right. appreciate the help. Okay, David. All right. Thanks, sir. man. Yeah. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Gary. Good morning, Gary. Hey, good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Got a 2003 Honda Accord. Okay, sir. And every time when I get in and start the car from the turn in the wheel, it, it makes a tweaking noise with coming from the power stern. Okay, sir. Open the cap, you can see the fluid like bubbling to the top. Okay, sir. All right. One guy was telling me it might have had air in the line. Another guy was telling me it sounded like the, the power stern pumping trying to go out. Well, it could be either one, Gary, but most of the time when you get air in a system, there's another problem. In other words, there's no way for air to get into that system unless it's drawn in. Now, I can tell you a very inexpensive thing that does happen a lot that does get air in the system, and that is the little O-rings where the two hoses attach to the pump. They're real bad about when the car gets older, they dry up and it starts drawing air around them. Now, they those are easy to change and very inexpensive. They won't leak fluid out. They will not leak, but, but they will suck put, air right. in. And that would be, the, if I just had to guess, that would be my guess because that's cheap. I wouldn't go guessing in a pump because a pump's expensive. Right. I've also seen the front shaft seal start pulling air in, mm-hmm. too. The seal will get hard, and it'll draw air in through the front pump seal. Right. So, depending on where the air is coming in, it's got to be coming in from somewhere. Right. And the right, key right. is what you would do is go in and bleed the air out and see how long it takes to come back in. Then you can kind of investigate and do a little more. Now, is it, it's like a growling noise when you turn. So, yeah, romp, yeah. Romp, yeah, sounds like uh-huh. air in the system. And yeah. what will happen if you add more fluid to it, when you turn it off, it will come bubbling out the top. Right. Because right. it's compressing exactly. the air when it's running, and when it expands back out when you turn it off, it comes bubbling out the cap. So, yeah, I would probably change those O-ring seals at the hoses first because that's very easy to do. If you can't do it yourself, a shop will do it for you for probably a half hour's labor, and I think the seals are 3 or $4 a piece, so not a big deal at all. And that does fix an awful lot of them. If that doesn't fix it, then you may be into a pump, but I would not. the pumps don't go out very often. Okay, sound like a winner to me. Okay, Gary. Yes, all sir. Right, hey, sir. hang on whenever I put you on hold, and give the producer your name and your address, and I'll see if you're the furthest distance caller today. I'll get you an Anko T-shirt. Okay, I appreciate it. Yeah, hang all on, right, man. Sir. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we got to take a quick little break. Marvin, Larry, you guys hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Okay, look, you've been at the Red Box for 10 minutes and you've got about 30 movies. Yeah, you roll in here with that car with the brakes screeching and the bald tires, and then you ask to cut in line because you're in a hurry. Look, it is 2012, and according to the Mayan calendar, the world ends on December 21st. So, I'm trying to watch all the movies I can before then. So no car repairs either, right? Who's got time for that? Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. 
So no car maintenance? All movies till December 21st? Yep. I'm stocking up on all the classics, too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. <laughs> I, already saw the first I knew he was crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, three tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526, and we really appreciate hearing from you. We've got Larry online. Good morning, Larry. Hey, fellas. Excuse me, I didn't go to your website because I bet you the answer is there. <laughs> this call is probably going to help some other people, too. Okay. I got a 2006 Mazda Tribute. It's got the four-cylinder. I think it's like a 2.8 liter. Okay, sir. Okay. When it gets cold, you can shove the accelerator down as hard as you want, and it ain't moving. Okay. It's not moving. Now, I went online and did some research. This is a known issue. I called the Mazda dealer. They said there's no recall at all for that vehicle. But the people online said that it's a known issue and that there is a fix for it. When you say it won't go, Larry, do you mean the engine races up but the car won't move? No. no. Or it I just mean, doesn't respond it, to the throttle? It, it's just like if I take my foot off of the right. accelerator, just coasting. Yeah, almost yeah. always, Larry, that's either going to be a throttle position sensor or an accelerator pedal sensor. In other words, okay. there are at least one, maybe two, accelerator pedal position sensors in the accelerator pedal. Really? And then there's one or two in the throttle body maybe three, that's called a throttle position sensor. Yeah. And when you are mashing the accelerator pedal, what you're doing is working some sensors. Now, and those sensors send a signal to a little motor that opens the throttle body. Well, they, right. they actually talk to the computer first, and the right. computer decides, hey, we need to open the throttle body. Right. In a split second, you don't even notice it. Right. But if they don't agree with each other for any reason, then it's going to yeah. ignore you. Right. Because it doesn't want the car to run away. Now, it only happens when it's cold. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Well, any electrical part is going to be temperature-related. It might be cold. It might be hot. But temperature always is going to influence any kind of electrical circuit or any kind of electrical right. problem. So all that you would have to do is, number one, it would go to the diagnostic link, hook up a Mazda scan tool, and see if there are any codes in there. Now, if you went to a right. parts store, they didn't find it because they can't get into the area. All they can find is emissions codes. But there are also manufacturer's codes and it may set some type of correlation code. That will tell you what area to start looking in. Next thing is you have to put a lab scope on it and see which sensor, if it is a sensor, or if it's a wiring in between, or why it's losing that signal. So, yeah, it's something that can easily be fixed. You just got to identify the problem, replace whatever's causing it, and, and then you'll be fixed. And it's dangerous. Go. <laughs> yeah, well, that's everything. It breaks on a car pretty much, you know. All right. But just a matter of diagnosing the problem. Once you diagnose it, then just replace whatever's bad. But, yeah, it's probably some kind of electrical sensor. I would say either the throttle position or the accelerator pedal position. All right. Well, let me see about getting back with you all about that. Okay. All, all right, right, sir. All right. Thanks, Thanks man. Bye-bye. 499-9526. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Marvin's been patiently holding. Good morning, Marvin. How you doing? Doing great, morning. sir. Good morning, sir. I have a 2007 GMC Sierra 5.3 okay. V8 pickup truck. All right, sir. And it has 15,000 miles on it, and I have an error code 171 and 174. Yes, sir. Can you have it, with your vast experience, do you, can you kind of 
tell you exactly what it is. <laughs> I like to hear that. Intake manifold gaskets leaking. Intake manifold gaskets. Yes. They had a, a bad run of those? Or? Yeah, they were notorious for that. GM actually revised the gasket. They went from a orange gasket, I think, to a, to green a one. teal, teal colored color, gasket. Yeah. And what happens is that when the engine is cold, it's going to start drawing air around the intake instead of through the throttle body. Mm-hmm. It'll idle rough when it's cold. Sometimes it'll set a PO300 if it starts getting bad enough because it'll start misfiring. Mm-hmm. But once it warms up, what happens is the O2 sensors come online. They say, hey, we're too lean. So they just add additional fuel and cover it up. So you don't notice it once it warms up. If you get a real GM scan tool and put on there, you can have your 171, your 174. Look at the freeze frame data, and you'll see it always occurs when the engine's cold. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's drawing air in around that intake manifold. Now, I got an article on the website with pictures and everything else shows you exactly what it is and all that. When you change those gaskets, it is imperative. There are eight little bolts that hold that intake down that have a urethane cushion under them. Okay. What we have found is that those bolts are the actual problem. Now, if you go to a GM deal, all they're going to do is put gaskets on and give it back to you, and it's going to happen again in about a year. Oh, I see. Because those little urethane cushions pack down, and they don't hold the intake down tight enough. So the fix is to go ahead and put a new gasket and replace those little cushions and that way it's fixed. Okay. And we have never had one come back after we've repaired it. Okay. About how long does it take to do that job? You think? A half a day in the shop. It's about a three-and-a-half-hour working time job, but you got some time of you know disassembling, waiting on parts and all that, so probably a half a day in the shop. Bring it in early in the morning, pick it up noonish. I have one other question yes, if you got the time. Go ahead. Got information from a company that uh, has sales extended warranties because this one's out of warranty yes, because sir. of the years. Mm-hmm. Are those things legitimate or no. are they just a bunch of crooks? Bunch of crooks. <laughs> <laughs> I would not ever, ever, ever buy. All you're buying, uh, Marvin, is a very expensive, decreasing term insurance policy mm-hmm. to cover a very limited number of things. There's always some reason why they're not going to cover yours. They're notorious for going out of business. Some of them are actually in the Bahamas somewhere in a boiler room calling the U.S. with an 800 number. What you can do if you just want to hedge your bet is just do all the maintenance on your truck. If you do all the maintenance you're supposed to do, get a true professional to do it for you, do it right, the odds of you having a problem with that truck before you get tired of driving it are almost zero. Okay. You know, you'll just get tired of truck and be ready for something else before you start having any kind of major problems. Okay. You said it was an 06? And no, it's a 2007, Seven. but it only has 15,000 miles on it. You know, being an 07, you're going on six years old. There's some things that need to be done. The mm-hmm. coolant needs to be changed if it hadn't already been done. Even though you only got 15,000 miles, you're almost seven years old, and five years of the life of it, mm-hmm. I would probably go ahead and replace the transmission fluid in it. I would probably look at a few other things. If you do those things, that truck is going to last you until you're tired of driving it. Well, that sounds good. All righty. <laughs> well, I do appreciate it. All righty, Marvin. Thank you much. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Miller online. Good morning, Miller. Hello there. Hey. Good morning. I have a quick question. I have a, an 05 Passat that I got about three years ago. Uh-huh. And I just noticed something really strange this past week. I've had to go to New Orleans a couple of times on work. All of a sudden, I began noticing that when I turned the car on, the air conditioner will blow kind of tepid air. 
Okay. Won't be cold. And then when you know, I'd turn the air conditioning totally off and run it for five minutes or so on the highway and then turn it back on, it would blow cool air. And it would do this. I mean, it was daily. It would do that. And I didn't know if it was really. It, I have no sensor lights and nothing that's coming on saying there's a problem. It's just a very strange situation that has never happened since I've had this car yeah. until this past week. Then yesterday, it wasn't doing it. And today, it's not. It's blowing. You crank it up and it's blowing cool air like it's supposed to. Yeah, but, just, Miller, what you got to remember strange. today, very, very cool out. So the load on the compressor is very, very low. So it's going to pretty much blow cold air. The most likely thing on that is it's just a little bit low on refrigerant because they will lose some over time. Yeah. Now, on a warm day, it's going to take it a while to get going. Okay. So it's going to blow tepid air for a few minutes, and then eventually once the compressor turns enough, it's going to go ahead and build up pressure, and it's going to start blowing pretty cold. See, an air conditioner doesn't blow cold. What it does, it removes heat. Right. And after it removes enough heat, then it doesn't take much to keep up. But when you get in a hot car and it has to try to remove that heat and it's operating, say, 20% yeah. below efficiency, it's just going to blow warm for a while. Right. Now, on a morning like this morning, it's nice and cool. The humidity is very low. Even an inefficient unit can blow cold. I see. So I would probably, the way they have to test that is they have to take and draw the charge out of it, measure the charge, and then see if it's low or not. If it's low, then they have to find out where it went, which will be a small leak somewhere, repair the leak, and recharge it. That's by far the most common thing. That's well, pretty classic. Well, Volkswagen, I wouldn't have to necessarily go to a dealer to get that check, right? No, anyone who could work on a European car could do it for you. Now, I don't oh. fool European cars myself. I strictly do Asian and domestic stuff. But anybody who works on European okay. cars, that's pretty simple okay. stuff. I have one other question. Sure, I tell you, i got to take I'm, a quick little break. If you can hold on through the break, I'll be sure. right back to you. Sure. All right, one more quick little break. We'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Clint, what's with the huge crate? My 120-inch Platinum 3D TV. Splurging, huh? I'm putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December 21st, I'll never have to pay it back. That would explain the giraffe and elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about fixing your car, buddy? Your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes. My car can make it to December. Plus, I need money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars action figures. Yoda is an expensive one, he is. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. Let me Google elephant license. Uh, okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why AGCO is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Hey, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526, and that'll get you right straight to us. Now, just for the break, we're talking to Miller. Go ahead, Miller. Do you have a second question? It's not really automotive, but I'm okay. my daughter is in dire need of a car, and I'm riding around town trying to find some place that carries these little news on wheels about cars. Do you have any idea of a business or store or service? There is the Exxon at Airline and Corsi. Has, they carried it four months ago. Now, that's the last okay. place I saw it. Good luck finding a car. Yeah, it's Thank hard. You. Because, man, the stuff that's out there now is junk. There's a lot of really, really bad cars on the market. They uh, look Miller, good on the outside. And they are very overpriced. We do a lot of pre-purchase inspections for people. 
And a lady came in the other day with a little Honda Accord, which is basically a good car. This one had 180,000 miles on it, needed about $1,500 worth of repair to make it drivable, and they were asking over $4,000 for it. Wow. So, I mean, it's really kind of weird, but new cars have gotten so ludicrous in price, and they're yeah. so sorry that the used car market's really, really getting kind of crazy, too. Yeah. One thing you might want to try, too, and I can't mention names on the air, but there's a couple of these automotive superstores that have opened up that just sell used cars in Baton Rouge. Yeah. I've had a couple of people tell me they had a real positive experience there, and I hadn't bought one myself, but you might just stop by and see what right. you think. They've got a lot of cars in stock, and what they don't have, they've got a computer there. They can show you stuff at other ones, and they can bring them in for you. Okay. So it might be worth your while just to stop by and see if there's anything there, and then, like I said, go ahead and check the other markets as well. I went through buying a used car here in the last couple months, and I basically went all over Baton Rouge. And like Lewis was saying, those big superstores, they carry a vast amount of cars, different makes, different models, pretty darn good selection. Like yeah. you said, if they ain't got it, they, right. they can get it. Yeah, and the price is generally fairly reasonable. I mean, if you don't see what you like, then, hey, good, somewhere else. Well, how would I find one of those places? There's two or three of them in Baton Rouge, and, I mean, just look in the yellow pages or whatever. There's They're not affiliated with a dealership or anything like that, but it's just a big, big, big used car lot is what it is, okay. and they're national-oriented uh, okay. stuff. But uh, you look around, you'll find them. I can't give names over the air, but right. Exxon has right. them there. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm doing thank you, and God bless you, man. Thanks, thank sir. you. Bye-bye. All right. All right, 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we have got Milton on the line. Good morning, Milton. Hey, Lewis, good morning. Yes, sir. I appreciate the show, and you do good work. Thanks, I've got sir. An o- i got an 07 Ram 1500, uh-huh. two-wheel drive, Hemi, and it's got 170,000 miles. Okay. And when I'm driving down the road, either slow or medium speed or faster, and turning to the right, whether it's gradually or more than gradually, I get a kind of like a rubbing or grinding sound. It's not really a rub, not really a grind, but it occurs every time the wheel goes around. Yes, sir. I'm wondering if it's a bearing. Well, it could very well could be. be. It's sort of like a roaring noise. Milton, sort of a roar kind of noise. Yeah, yeah. And, and only does it when you're rolling. Only when I'm rolling is the right. Yeah, at and higher the, speeds. And the faster you go, the louder it gets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a sounds bearing. like a wheel bearing. Sure does. And those are a bolted-in wheel bearing, Milton. They're not very difficult to replace. They are kind of expensive for the part, but they're not very hard to change. Go on the website and type in wheel bearing, and it's going to bring up a whole article on how to replace them. They're pretty easy, pretty straightforward. If you're fairly handy, you can do it yourself. But it's kind of hard sometimes to tell exactly which one it is. I've swore it was the left one, and it would be the right, and vice versa. The thing about it is they are interchangeable. One bearing fits both sides. That's right. So if you happen to change the wrong one, you can always take that one and put it on the other side. That's right. It'll work fine on the other side. Well, I, if I come in for a brake job, because I need a brake job anyway, yes, sir. that'll kind of get, get y'all to it, won't it? Yes, sir. We'd be right there, and it would be less expensive to do the brakes while you're doing the bearings because you'll have one side of the brakes already apart. Correct. So it would save you some money doing both of them at the same time. And it's not a big labor ticket. I want to say an hour's labor at most to change it. You know, It's not a big deal, and that would lower your brake replacement by probably 20, 30 minutes just because you already have one side apart. All right, man. Hey, I appreciate y'all. Y'all stay blessed. Have a great day. Thanks, Thank sir. You. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, right, we would love to have you. Go ahead and give us a call. And we're going back to our phone lines. We've got PJ online. Good morning, PJ. Hey, good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I got a 2000 4Runner, Toyota 4Runner. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Got an 84-month Toyota battery in it. Mm-hmm. It's about a year and a half old. Uh-huh. Started uh, clicking when I tried it. my wife tried to start it. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. The battery reads good. But when I put my three-year-old boat battery in and hooked it up with some jumper clamps, yes, sir. 
It starts every time. But now, I bring it to the dealer, and their machine says the battery is good. Well, PJ, you got to know how to test a battery because they could very simply be only putting a voltage test on it, and it may be producing 13 volts. And they may say that's good, but you have to test it under load because that's how it's operating. Well, I bought me one of those carbon power testers. Mm -hmm. And when I put it on there, it shows it goes into the weak. Yeah, right. exactly. And you're getting, you're getting a little bit better than 12 volts. Yeah, well, if it's dropping down like that under load, see, we've got actually a computerized tester. What it does, it's going to load it, test it, let it recover, load it, test it again, and then give you a reading. And uh -huh. batteries can be kind of tricky, but most of the time, that sounds like what they call the reserve capacity is low. And yeah. what causes that, if the battery was ever discharged at one point in time or another, what will happen is the cells will start to sulfate. In other words, the sulfur out of sulfuric acid coats yeah, the plates right. inside the battery. When that happens, it loses capacity. Now, yeah. it can still produce voltage, but it loses capacity. So when it's under a high load condition, let's say it sits for a day and a half, doesn't get started, and you come out and it's cold and the engine's a little harder to turn over and you hit it and it just doesn't have the oomph to do it. But you kind of gave it away. Like you said, when you put the other battery in and it jumps right on off, that kind of gives it away that the battery is weak. Now, it could also be something like the alternator's not charging that battery enough and the other battery's fully charged. So you would have to... Well, identify that, or it can have a parasitic draw, something staying on in the system that's drawing the battery down. This battery is about three years old, and I got a jury rig attached the uh, two old jumper cables. Yes. Uh, these clamps to the existing cables because of the battery I got in it, the existing cables wouldn't fit. Yeah. Reach it. Yeah. And, see, and it's, if it's never given me any problems starting. Well, if it's three and years the, old, you bought it the life of the battery. I know it says 84 months, but that's nothing but marketing. There's not no, a battery no, no, out no, there that's no, going to no, last no, that no, long. No. no. No, but it is the old battery that I put in there, old boat battery starting to call fine. Right, right. Newer battery, the 84-month Toyota battery right. that's under warranty, and if it fails within two years, you're supposed to get a brand-new battery. Yeah. Well, it, well they're going to keep saying ain't nothing wrong right. with it. Until the two years is out, and then all of a sudden you're going to have a bad <laughs> battery. What recourse can I now? Well, you really don't have any, PJ, because when you buy something, the warranty is only as good as the guy that expresses it. Yeah. If he's not willing to honor his warranty, then it's, it's it's worthless. So that's why I say don't buy an 84-month battery. Buy a four-year, five-year, whatever the cheapest one you well, can get is. They're all well, the same. We had, we had just bought the car from him, uh -huh. and the battery was no good. I mean, other than going back and raising cane and saying, look, yeah. guys, you know, you got 84-month battery. I can jump it off my other one. It starts right up. This one won't crank well, it. Okay. But, but, it, but you, would you, you agree that the battery is no good? Well, I don't know that because I hadn't tested it, but it's definitely a weak battery. Now, we don't know why the battery's weak. It could be a bad battery. It could be that the alternator's not charging it up enough. It could be that well, it's got a draw on the system. Well, apparently the alternator's charging up this old battery good enough because it's been in the car about a month now, jewelry rig. Well, now, if that's the case, then I just tell them that. Say, look, it works fine with the old battery. I'm not having well, any trouble. What I might do then is carry both of them over there. There you go. Let them test starts, them both. <laughs> it starts every time and then take the replace the battery myself because mm -hmm. they're probably going to charge me $100 to change the battery out mm -hmm. and show them that it won't start it. Maybe then maybe that might change the mind, you reckon? Well, it's possible. That or you could go to an independent shop, have them test the battery, yeah. give you documentation. Yes, the battery's bad. Okay. Bring that back to them. That's another possibility. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that wouldn't cost you a whole lot. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. All right, thanks Thanks, right. PJ. Oh, another thing. Yes, sir. I got, I got yeah. a, a, a little Jimmy. Uh-huh. 98 Jimmy. Yes, uh -huh. sir. And when I make a left turn, hard left turn, backing up, I get a uh, crunching sound. Any ideas? Stock tires? 
Stock, new stock car. rims and tires? No, I mean stock, stock though. Nothing rubbing. Okay. It'll go. The lower control arm bushings on those have given some trouble like that. Uh -huh. Can't guarantee it, I said, but it's kind of yeah. hard to find because what happens, the rubber delaminates from the little sleeve in the middle of the bushing. Okay. And it'll give you that crack kind of a noise. And yeah. it's, it's a devil to try to duplicate in the shop because you can't mm -hmm. duplicate that hard right. turning and stuff. Right. But, but that, that's that one thing. Start, yeah, that is one thing for sure. What you can I'll do is get in and look real close. See if you see any rust coming out of those okay. bushings at all. Right. Okay. Oh, there's also, I think there's a steering stop on it. There's a stop on the knuckle and there's a stop on the arm. And when they hit together, if they're dry, they'll uh -huh. make a noise like that. Right. Okay. If it's when it's full over that it makes yeah, it. Yeah, it's got to be full over. Yeah. If you let off just a little bit, it'll quit doing it. Right. I know a lot of times when I back out my driveway, uh -huh. I cut it full left. Yeah, if you, if you if yeah, pull if over, if you're on a stops. look where the steering stop hits the knuckle okay. and just put you a little bit of grease on both sides right there All and see right. if the noise goes away. Okay. Man, All right. Thanks a lot, Lewis. Okay, PJ. All thanks, right. man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Eddie online. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning. How y'all doing today? Doing great, Good morning. sir. Look, I have a 2008 Silverado, and I called you about a month ago and, and told you about the shifter indicator in the truck. We'd go down to zero. And he kicked both fans on for the radiator okay, and everything. Sir. Well, okay, I, I changed. You told me that it was sensor, might be the sensor. So I changed the sensor. Mm -hmm. I went to the port and got a sensor. And I changed it. And it lasted about maybe a half a day. And it did the same thing again. So I went back and they gave me another sensor, mm -hmm. thinking that might be bad. And yeah. I put another one in there. And it, it didn't. It did the same thing. It only, yeah. it only does it. It only kills the indicator when it's cold in a cold morning or something mm -hmm. like that. So the guy place told me it might be the cluster, which I don't know what that is anyway. Well, it might be a whole lot of things, right. Eddie. What you need to do is get that to somebody, let them check it for you, and tell you what it is. Because that could be anything from a loose connection to a bad engine computer. Okay, can do that. And you know, the sensor is one thing out of about twenty-five or thirty. It's the easiest thing to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's the cheapest thing there. to change. Probably didn't hurt nothing trying it, but. If it's not that, it could be a number of things. It could be even something like one of the cooling fans drawing too much amperage and shutting something down. Okay. So it's just lots and lots of things. You're probably going to be without beyond your wherewithal to test it, and it would be cheaper to pay someone to check it and tell you definitively this is it because from there, the parts you can start changing will get real expensive. Okay. I just, I'm going to just bring it into y'all let y'all Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. If you can duplicate it, you can find it pretty easily. It could even be a bad connection somewhere. All that right. kind of stuff does happen. Okay. All right, well, thank y'all. Right. Okay, Eddie, All thanks, right, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to take another quick little break, and we will be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hey, Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay. According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got lots to do, neighbor. Uh, bog snorkeling? Punch a whale? Compete in the World Toe Wrestling Championship? I've seen Meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah, got her autograph, too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car be on the list? What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing, it shimmies and shakes and leaking oil all over I the think I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com.
welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alpsan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? We'd love to hear from you. Our number is 499-9526. Of course, that's 225 on the top of that and gets you to us from anywhere in the United States. Continental United States? That's right. All right. That's right. They <laughs> may even get here from Hawaii and Alaska. I just don't yeah, know. Don't know yet. <laughs> I'm sure there's an extra code for that. Well, there may be. And I don't know. I guess really you've got the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico and all those other U.S. Oh, yeah? territories, which are technically the U.S. So just don't know. One time when I'm on a cruise or something, one of those places, I'm going to get, may on, just, get may try to call back, see what happens. That's right. Kind of see what it takes to call That's back. That's right. Huh? Span my horizons a little bit there. But we really appreciate hearing from folks who are out of town and people who listen to us on the podcast or listen to us on iTunes. Sure. If you get you know, if you get the time straight, give us a call. We want to hear from you. That's right. And we will also send a free Agco t shirt out to the folks who folks, call from the furthest distance and just a little extra reward there or incentive or whatever you want to call it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Prize. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, Good sir. Good morning. I got to listen to you, guy talking about his uh, air conditioning problem earlier. And yes, sir. I've got the exact opposite of what this guy had. Yes, sir. I have a 2000 Chevrolet Silverado. Yes, sir. And the air conditioner, I've checked it a couple times, and they tell me the, the Freon's fine. Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Yes, you know, sir. Like when it don't, it starts blowing hot air? It'll, it'll blow fine for maybe 15 minutes. Right. Or it could last for two hours. What happens when it quits blowing, Mike? It starts blowing hot air. Yeah, hot like heated air? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably on the left-hand side, if you notice. Most people never notice because when you're blowing 200-degree air in their face, they don't notice much of anything else. But next time it does it, reach over on the far right-hand side and feel that air and see if that's still cold or at least cool. Most of the time it will be. And by far, the most common cause of that is what they call the temperature actuator, which is on the left-hand side. They go out constantly. It's a little motor that works a door between the heater core and the evaporator core. And what it does is it'll crank over and it'll duck hot air on that driver's side. And when it does, it'll start blowing hot air in your face. If you turn the key off, start it back up, it'll generally go back to cold again. But that's almost always what that problem is. Nothing to do with the air conditioning system. And if, if you're handy, you can get in there and change it pretty readily. Yeah. But if you don't like laying on your back, reaching over your head upside down, yeah. then you might have to pay somebody to do yeah, that one. Yeah, it's not a big yeah, labor like ticket. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a big deal. It's not a big labor ticket. Maybe an hour's labor. Right. A little motor is kind of expensive. I want to say it's $250 well, you, for the part. You would not believe how much money I spent trying to get this thing fixed. I just finally gave up with it. I'm oh, yeah. It. Yeah, yeah. you said you're going to the right That's place, Mike. Exactly. But let me, let me ask you one other thing sure. that it does that's really strange. Okay. When I have it where not where they're circulating from inside but from outside, even if the air conditioning button isn't pushed on, it'll blow cold air. Yeah, they do that. No, runs, it, it runs yeah. the fresh air across the evaporator. Yeah, it do uh, that. We've got a 2002 mine does the same thing. That's just the way they operate. Even though okay. you don't turn the AC on, it's still refrigerating the air. Yeah. Okay. That is normal for it. But that actuator motor is very, very common. There's actually let, let, four let of those. Let me ask you one other thing. that sounds weird. Uh, falls right into everything you said. The hotter it is outside, the better this thing, or the longer it'll run cold. Yeah, what normally is going to make it act up is if you adjust the temperature up or down. That's normally when it'll act up, but not always. Sometimes they'll just do it out of a clear blue sky. But probably whenever it is very hot outside, you're kicking it over to max, and it's just staying there in one position, whereas you might be adjusting it otherwise. The way it works is that there is a little potentiometer on that motor that sends what they call counts back to a computer. And 256 counts is a full range on it. So what it wants to do is put it at 128, somewhere in the middle. 
And when you adjust it up or adjust it down, it can lose track of those counts. And when it does, it can go to one extreme or the other, which is generally hot. And that's why it starts blowing hot. Now, when you turn the key off, turn it back on, it kind of re-homes, so it kind of catches up and starts working again. Now, once it completely fails, it'll just blow hot all the time, and no matter what you do, it'll fix it. Okay. Now, what was that part called again? Called the temperature actuator. And normally it's the one, actuator. Normally it's the one on the left-hand side. However, there is four of them. got one down in the middle of the dash which can do the same thing. And if it's blowing hot on both sides, it's probably the one down in the dash. Now, that was a whole lot bigger deal to change. you got to pull part of the dash out to get to it. But if it's only blowing hot on that left side, which is most of the time what it does, for some reason, I don't know why that goes out more than the rest. But yeah. it, that's that it's a fairly small deal to do. Okay, you're talking about the driver's side, right? Yes, sir. That's yes, correct. Yeah. And, all righty. You know, people I say, it. I'll check it out. Yeah, people say it's blowing hot all over. But, again, if you got one vent blowing 200-degree air in your face, you ain't going to look at nothing else. Yeah. It's already right. everybody on the other side. Yeah, like that's, right. that's, anyway. right. that's right. Those vents closed. That's right. That's right. Okay, Mike. Man. Thanks, I really man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Bye bye. Right. Bye bye. Four nine 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 five two six. A number. If you already part of the automotive, I would love to have you. Just go ahead and give us a call. That is a kind of a weird sensation, I guess. Folks had really caught on to the fact that all the dash is electronic now, and it's all operated by doors and servos. It's not well, like it's, in the old it, days. It's always had doors in it. But nothing was electrically controlled. You had a cable and a lever. You pushed and moved, right. and it swung and closed Which the door. Lasted forever. And you had two doors. You had one that brought the fresh air in, and one that ducked the air from here to there. And that was it. That was it. Yeah. And, and nowadays you've got four or five doors. You got split were, systems. Well, those were very very simple, and it didn't hardly ever break. And if it had any kind of a mechanism to control, it was probably vacuum operated, which was again pretty simple and pretty right. reliable. And kind of long for those old days when you had a three dollar <laughs> cable that never broke. Now we That's got ten thousand dollars worth of hardware under there that breaks all the time. That's so, it. I got to set it to house forty two year old cables that still work. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I had a fifty five Chevrolet. You pull a little cable out and the air comes out. There you, know? you go. Ain't nothing to I, it. I think sixty years old still works. <laughs> <laughs> like when you change it, the cable costs three bucks. You yeah. know, it took ten minutes to change. So. I don't know, kind of a giant leap backwards there. Nah, that's kind of the way I see it. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Tony on the line. Good morning, Tony. Yeah, how you doing? Doing Good great, morning. sir. You know, Carlos, I had a Dodge Avenger 2009. I was coming, I was close to Lafayette. I live in Bernouche. And suddenly a symbol came up, and it's a red color. Then I looked in the book. I stopped. Luckily, I was able to stop on the shoulder because... My engine died, and uh, somehow I got on the shoulder when I looked in the book. It said electronic throttle problem. Yes, sir. Yeah, so uh, then I started back again and just left. Yeah, it's going to do, do that, nothing. Tony. Whenever you stop and you turn the key off, when you start up again, it's kind of like your computer when you reboot it. It's going to come up in a new world. It's going to work until it occurs again, but it's going to occur again. So what you're going to need to do is get that into someone, even though the light's not on, it's not doing it. They can probably check it, find the code. That's going to be something in the drive-by-wire system. What it's doing is that it's losing sight of the accelerator pedal sensor or the throttle sensor. And when it does, it's going to shut down so the car won't go. And it's going to kick that light on and tell you there's a problem. And when you turn the key off, turn it back on, it's going to reset it temporarily. But it's going to occur again. One day it's going to go out completely. So you need to get that in, have somebody check it for you and see what it is and get it fixed. I think we ended up losing him. And we're going back to the phone lines with Gary. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, sir. I just want to call and take a minute to thank you. You helped me last month. I had my wife's Grand Cherokee, and the dash was going out. Okay, sir. Flickering back and forth, and the dealership had charged $400 and didn't fix it. Uh-huh. And I, after the third call into him, I told them that I talked to you, and they gave me my money back, and I oh, took okay. it to another place, and they charged me only $200, and it said it was the condition switch that was causing that problem. Oh, well, good, well, good. 
So yeah, you really that, helped me out. I want to thank you for your time. Well, I really appreciate you calling, Gary. It's just a matter of finding the right guy. I guess in every town, there's one guy who can press your shirt straight, and there's one guy who can make a pepperoni pizza, and yes, there's one sir. guy who can fix cars. You just got to yes, find sir. those people. It was amazing because they spent like four or five days playing with it, mm-hmm. and when I took it to the other person, they fixed it in one hour and charged me half the price. Wow. Well, that's yeah, great. well, you got the right guy. But I used your name, so that's what got my money back. <laughs> well, good deal. It. Hey, I appreciate you calling, Gary. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 499-9526, the number if you want to be part of the automotive hour. We had a similar story earlier this week. A fellow brought in a Honda, and it would not idle at all. Uh-huh. It just kept dying. And he had been to two or three places and spent pretty much an inordinate amount of money trying to get the car to run. And Jeff checked it, and within one hour's time, he said, hey, the PCM is bad. Right. It's not driving idle. And also, the voltage in the system is way high because it's also not controlling the alternator. And ironically, when I told him the alternator, he says, you know, he says, about two months ago, we had a real funny noise, and the alternator, I pulled into this little shop, and the alternator was loose. It was about to fall off the motor. Really? They tightened all the bolts down, sent me on my way, but this problem happened right after that. There you go. And what happened is that when the alternator got loose, it has to be electrically grounded back to the engine. Right. Because all current in that system is going through that alternator. 120 amps is flowing through the alternator. Uh If it does not have a good ground because it's loose on the engine block, then it's going to find a ground. Right, no matter where it comes. Right, and since the computer's controlling it, the power backed up through the PCM. It knocked out the idle circuits on the car, so the car wouldn't idle any longer. Just happened to be that circuit that it was found. That's the one it could find. It's going the shortest route to ground, and that just happened to be the one. But that circuit's designed for 5 volts. It can't handle 12 volts with 120 amps. So it fried the computer on Right. And something as simple as just a loose alternator caused all that. But I guess the point was, for some reason, the other shops had changed. I don't know. The idle servo had changed. Just, they were trying to treat the symptoms Instead of without looking the problem. for the cause. And that comes from experience. You, know, from you ex- get somebody that knows what they're doing, knows what they're looking for, and can see things that some people can't, Well, that, and, and they a, can go right to it. A culture of diagnosis where the shop has a diagnostic-type shop, and they look for problems rather than and throw solutions at it. You're so, right. Hey, we got to get out of here. We're just about fully out of time. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week, and tell your friends, go to iTunes. Get on there and give us a rating. Yeah, we really appreciate a written rating. I had 58 as of this morning. I sure like looking to get for 60. 60. That's right. <laughs> Always looking for more. Well, the more devil gets, the more devil wants. That's it, exactly. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.